Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Betches Media presents Betches Moms with hosts Aileen Drexler and Brittany Levine. Get ready to lock yourself in the bathroom or wherever else you hide from your kids because you'll literally never be alone again. Hello and welcome to the Betches Moms podcast. I'm Aileen. And I am Brittany. And today we are joined by Peloton's head instructor, New York Times bestseller, and VP of fitness programming and new mom, Robin Arzon. Welcome to Betcha's Moms. Thanks for having me, y'all. I'm excited. I love I love this account on IG. It gets me like the chuckle is real. Some the need for mom chuckle is real. <laughs> <laughs> I love hearing that. And I, I love that um, we get you laughing. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 it's it's such a it's it's so much more appreciated when you laugh now yes. <laughs> than before, right? Like, just things seem so serious sometimes, and it's just like when you can just let it all out, it feels good. Also, the two of us were huge Peloton fans. We both have a Peloton. We did your prenatal classes. I was sitting in my living room doing like all of the breathing and the core and the and the, the everything. So really. <laughs> It came at the perfect time. It did. I think I, I think every person I spoke to, I was like, have you done Robin's prenatal series? It's amazing. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks, y'all. I mean, I made I made it for for birth birthing folks. So so I'm glad it's being put to use. <laughs> yeah. So you've been at Peloton for a while, right? What has it been like, you know, to to be there during such like a momentous time for their growth. Like it's grown so much and it's almost, you went from like being a Peloton instructor during the time that you were, I know you had a career before that to like being this celebrity in many ways. So how, how has that been? I've been with the company almost eight years. I was one of the first few instructors hired and gosh, like we, we are dreamers who hustle. I will say that. Right. So what's amazing about, especially the instructor, team and the content team, which I work really closely with is we're just as scrappy, right? So I think having an element of grit is foundational to the Peloton DNA. And I find that really exciting. So no matter how glossy or big it gets um, at our core, I think we're dreamers who hustle. And I've seen a lot of iterations of a lot of changes, right? Um, the peaks and valleys of any business and proud. I'm really proud of what we're creating. And I, and I do see it changing people's lives. Yeah, no, you can see how much it's changed too. Like just because I, I had, I got a Peloton like December in 2019. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, every three months later, everybody's like, hey, you need to get a Peloton. Everybody's getting one. So it was great. So you're also the first instructor of Peloton history to go out on maternity leave. What, what was that? Like, what did that, what was that? Like? <laughs> well, my job is obviously incredibly physical. I'm working out in front of millions of people every day. And anyone who's been pregnant knows that literally day by day, you don't know what, I mean, there were, I, it, my husband and I were joking that 
I people could only see. I mean, I would be going to teach like a really intense Tabata ride or something, and I couldn't even tie my shoes. Like I couldn't see my feet. You know, um, I'm, like there were people at the studio literally helping me get my cycling shoes on. So that was pure comedy. But thankfully, I felt really good throughout my pregnancy, and I wanted to model for my fellow teammates that we can create room for different chapters in our lives. And not only should we, but we will take our, the entirety of our parental leave, whether we're birthing um, a child or whether, you know, we're, we're creating a family in other, in many, the myriad of ways that one can create a family. And that was crucial to me. And I, it was not only a message, you know, to myself and protective of my, my family, but it was also a message to kind of the Peloton world of like, we're real humans leading lives. And uh, I'm going to take this time for the chapter of my, of my family and then recreate a new chapter. So as I've come back, a lot of boundary setting, a lot of using, no, I take, I mean, I chop many meetings into quarters. I slice and dice many meeting times because I'm saying no to a lot of things now. And that's because I need to protect my yes. And my, I have a very important yes now as, as a new mom to a baby girl. So that um, is also an important, so it's taking the, it's taking the leave, but then it's also creating a framework for what it looks like to come back in a way that is realistic. Did you always know that you were going to come back and set those expectations or was it kind of like at first you felt incredibly overwhelmed and you were like, I need to find my no for my yes? Uh, I knew I was going to have to, I'm very good with no. So I've been practicing my no for a long time. Um, Definitely since my lawyer days, I've been practicing my no, but listen, you don't, you only, you only know what it's like to be a mother when you become a parent. Right. right? And, and there are moments of overwhelm that just hit you. And you're like, why am I overwhelmed? Right. And you know, some, some you can intellectualize. And then some you're like, why am I frustrated? Cause there's a dish on the, on the kitchen table, you know, um, you're triggered by so many things, yeah. but, um, I knew in order to have the capacity to deal with those unexpected moments of overwhelm that I would have to give myself a little bit of that breathing space. And I'm someone who's very used to 12, 14, 16 hour days. And I still a lot of times have those days, but I'm also building in pockets with nothing on my calendar because that is when the pivot needs to happen. And if it's, if it's not a hell yes, it is a no thank you period. Well, before motherhood, I might've said yes to things that I was like, yeah, maybe I don't do maybe anymore. Period. I don't do maybe anymore. What, what's like a, what's like an example of something that you would totally say yes like to? Pre pre pandemic, it might have been you know event an event appearance, a happy hour, a dinner that it was just like eh, I'm here or there about it. Honestly, even a charitable ob- obligation, like something philanthropic that like is am- an amazing endeavor, but. I don't get that those two hours back, you know, whether it's a speaking engagement or whether it's, you know, um, you know, attending a zoom call. So the things that are kind of that middle of the road, unless it's moving the needle to my value system, I say no. And the key, I think to that, to doing, to saying yes, without fear and no, without guilt is getting, is getting more crystal clear on what the short to-do list should be. I think our to-do lists are too long. Our to-do list can be two to three things a day. 
And that's the priority. And then if you happen to slay that and you want to move on to another short to-do list, great. But I'm, I'm very crystal clear on what my priorities are like macro and then what they should be with any given day. And that's what I really focus on. And everything else is just extraneous. I love that. I like the the practical advice too, like blocking out time also in your calendar so that you can like really have time to do those things that you do prioritize. In terms of creating that prenatal series and all and the, all the postnatal stuff, was that something you've always envisioned like even before you got pregnant or is this something that came up after? I always envisioned it. I mean, I I was really very hopeful that I would be able to train my train and do strength training and running and all that when I was still pregnant. And it turned out that I was able to, but I had zero expectations. I mean, I didn't have any illusions that I would know more than my body knows. And thankfully I felt really good. I was obviously doing all of that pre-pregnancy and the general school of thought is that you could continue doing most of the things that you were doing pre-pregnancy when you're pregnant. Um, and I was able to, and I wanted to, and of course I got certifications and I made sure that I understood the education and the science behind it. I, uh, I prepared. So before I got pregnant, I, I got my prenatal pre and postnatal certifications. And, and, and then like the second tier, which is a specialist certification. And then I partnered with an OB to create my prenatal program and, and we were off to the races. Is this something that Peloton is con- going to continue doing maybe with other instructor instructors that might end up getting pregnant? Or is this something that you're going to fully own and it'll be fully with you? No, it'll definitely be with other instructors. Um, and there are other instructors who are, are pre and postnatal certified. Mm-hmm. We definitely have yoga, which actually preceded my yoga with Chris and Miggy, which actually preceded my prenatal strength program. And it'll continue to evolve as the instructor team evolves. And, you know, it will, of course, make sense, you know, with the next pregnant instructor to kind of be able to share their story. But um, I'm sure instructors will contribute who might never birth children as long as they, you know, have the education, of course, to be able to speak to it. What were some of your expectations going back to work versus what actually happened? Were there any surprises doing that? I was actually surprised what I was able to accomplish on little sleep before somehow moms just make it happen. Like I am shocked. I'm not a coffee drinker. I used to, before Athena, I would sleep like 10 hours a night. Um, and I was petrified of having the responsibility of going back to work. And then, you know, still I was breastfeeding and that whole shebang. I still am breastfeeding. And it was, um, I surprised that took me by surprise is that I thought I was just going to be a corpse. And there were definitely some afternoons that I was like, is this really, is, am I, is, am I in the matrix? Like what's <laughs> happening? Um, but I, I, been, I managed to get a lot done without martyring myself. I think that was my concern because I can go hard in the paint. I can just, you know, yeah. be strong for the sake of being strong, but I don't believe that, that we should be martyring ourselves out here. Right. So I think that's the balance of like, I can flip on beast mode at any given moment, but to what end. Right. So I think reframing, being able to a get more done than I thought, which was a pleasant surprise, but also reframe kind of my definition of what success was. Right. So there were many days that I was like, yes, you could do this workout. Yes. Maybe you should, maybe you could sprint in this workout, but maybe you don't have to right now. Maybe like just moving is enough. And I gave myself a lot of that, that freedom. So that surprised me because I, I'm much, I'm much easier go to beast mode than, you know, 
chill mode, but I, I had to kind of give myself the freedom to do right. both. So when you're planning your classes and you're going to do your classes on days where you do feel just exhausted, do you, you do take it easy on yourself and you sort of change what you had planned? No, that, that is, no, no, not, you, turn, not, you press the peace mode button. Yeah, no, when it's, when I'm in front of the camera, that is on, right. there is no negotiating that away. There's a difference. So I have my own movement practice. I have my own workouts. Any t- before, anytime I've filmed a class at Peloton in eight years, I've done my own workout beforehand. And that is how I get my energy. That is my sacred time the idea that self-care is not selfish, like that, it is literally part of the framework of my home that I get my workout in. And that's, you know, a shared value that my husband and I have um, for each other. It goes both ways. And the, um, the time that I spend in front of the camera with the Peloton community, that's not my workout. It's the community's workout, but I'm not going to phone it in. There's no way. Because, you know, they say practice what you preach. I preach what I practice. So if it's a hit run, I'm doing it. If it's a Tabata ride, I'm doing it. But that, but when we're looking at the, at the time that I'm spending in my own workouts, that is where I gave myself the freedom. It's like, you don't necessarily need to go so hard in the paint. Maybe today's yoga, maybe today, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe today's meditation. And that, that was a nice, um, that was a nice escape valve. How do you turn it on like that though? Like, like you said, the exhaustion is to me, it's surprise. That was the biggest surprise for me. How do you kind of just find that within yourself? Like what motivates you to do that? Um, well, that's the, that's, it's probably the number one question I get asked about motivation and it's the Mm -hmm. wrong one because most of the time I'm not motivated. Most of the time I don't feel if you, if I only worked out when I felt like it, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have a job. And the, I, the, 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 the different question, I think the more apt question is what are, it's twofold. What are the, what's the purpose behind it? And what are the processes that support it? So I, my purpose, I get out of bed wanting to do epic shit. Like that is that my purpose gets me up before an alarm clock. And then I analyze the processes in my life, the frameworks, the schedules, the support system. You know, it's, you know, I have a full-time nanny. I have a partner who's very involved. Like I ask for what I need. And I, even when my voice is shaking and so there's purpose and then there's processes. So the, when I'm feeling at my lowest, which is human, right? I go back to the basics. It's like, have I had a glass of water? Have I eaten a vegetable? Have, you know, you can only control sleep so much, especially as a new mom, but then it's going back to the things that I can control. It's like, am I fueling at least in my best capacity? Am I making the best next right decision to optimize myself? And I learned that as an athlete, like when I was preparing for marathons and ultra marathons, I was adding so much to myself physiologically and mentally that the basics are actually all that more important. So when I know I'm preparing, especially in a season of my life, like, like I've just lived in the past 10 months, um, those basics become all the more poignant. So um, I guess the long answer to your question is, yes, there's a mental piece that I turn on. There's a performative piece that I turn on. Um, you know, I have little things like visualization and mantras that literally prime myself into a flow state. Um, that's a practice kind of art. And then the second piece of it is back to basis is like drink some water, girl, 
eat, <laughs> eat some broccoli and, you know, keep doing that every day until you, you're figuring it out. Did you always have this motivation or did it start when you said you were doing your marathons and everything? I've been, I've, I think I've always been, I, I skew positive. I skew uh, definitely pretty self-motivated. And I've had an amazing example in my mother who, who is very similarly wired and movement became that like next catalyst movement for me is medicine. And I was not an athlete though, growing up, I used to be a lawyer and I ran my very first mile when I was in law school. So it's interesting when we add, I believe, I believe superheroes are real. It's one of the reasons, you know, I wrote my children, my first children's book, strong mama. It's my first adult book, um, shut up and run. It's also a reason why I wrote that. I believe superheroes are real. And in our superhero toolkit, when we add to that superhero toolkit, um, I, I believe that we start to unlock things in our kind of lineage that maybe have fallen asleep or maybe were even silenced. And, and when we use movement, when we use our power, when we use that, our ability to create, to create self-generated moment, self-generated momentum, I, I really do believe that we awaken our ancestors who were silenced. I remember hearing you talk about superheroes. I think you did like a guided run or several of them. And you talk about that. And it is, it's very, it, I can, I sense that motivation coming from you in a way that you like, it's, it's part of your, it's ingrained within you. So I, and that helped me go faster. So I really appreciated it. What advice do you have for new moms or moms who just had a baby to sort of get back into moving and get back to um, just moving their body? Oh, you know, start small. I, I, we can, we're so vicious to ourselves. Honestly, it's like, we're, we've just gone through something so deeply physical, whatever kind of birth experience you've had. And then on top of it, you're like taking care of this tiny little roommate who you have created, who is so demanding (laughs) y'all it's the most, but movement helps. But I think we have to give us, give ourselves the freedom to re frame what success looks like. Right. So instead of thinking, if it's not a 45 minute workout, it doesn't count. Let's throw that notion out and say, what does five minutes of movement look like today? Right. What does 10 minutes look like? And I literally took five minutes in the beginning. It was five minutes of breathing exercises when I was finished, when I was done breastfeeding, just, just, I would just try to put the baby down, do five minutes of breathing. And then I would also probably take a nap. Um, And then, you know, as Athena's schedule got a little bit more crystallized, then those little nap time hustle moments became a little bit longer, a little bit more intense. And of course, as my body healed and all that, but take small moments. And that little by little amounts to a lot. My mantra postpartum was consistency over intensity. And I just told myself every single day, you are going to do something related to movement or breath work for yourself. And the, just the consistent boundary setting of handing, you know, putting the baby down or handing my husband, the baby or handing my mom, the baby. And thankfully I did have help. And just saying, I'm going to take five minutes for myself and closing the door to my bathroom. and just being like, I don't even, there were moments where I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. But the point (laughs) was that I was prioritizing myself for five or 10 minutes. And then as I was able to, you know, put more intense, add a layer of intensity, whether it's a 10 minute ride or it's, you know, whatever it is, then you're like, Oh, okay. Then you start to feel that mojo, but you might not have that mojo for a while. And it's, you kind of not, not only from a chemical perspective, but also just from like a habit forming perspective, have to get that momentum back, especially if you haven't been, you know, very active throughout pregnancy for whatever reason. 
I like how you're normalizing these ideas that we're, we're exhausted, we're tired, we go into the bathroom and we just know we need that time and still showing that we have the power to change how we're feeling and what we're doing with that time. Because, you know, we all feel this as mothers, but like you're saying, we could take that five minutes every single day and then turn it into 10 minutes. And it's just really nice hearing that, especially for me. Like, I know I need that motivation and I'm already like, all right, I got this five minutes today. (laughs) But it's the willpower, right? It's, it's like, it's just like any other muscle. It's, exercising that self-care muscle. It's exercising the willpower and even just using your voice and saying like, I'm deserving of these 10 minutes. I don't even know what I'm going to do with those 10 minutes, but I'm taking it. And those little like moments of bravery uh, are incredibly important. And think about how you're modeling that for your kids. Like they're seeing you take care of yourself. And even in the moment, if they're crying, whining, whatever it is, they, they're remembering that you establish a standard. We establish the standard in our homes. Let's talk about your new children's book, Strong Mama. What I see, I love the cover. It's right Thank behind you. you. <laughs> Um, what inspired you to write this? Oh, what is man. it about? <laughs> I was, um, so it is about a strong mama. I mean, it's very true. It's, it's my story with my daughter. It's a love, really a love letter to her. She was my training partner when she was in my belly and we didn't know what we were having. We called the the baby pequeño and pequeño and I did a lot of workouts. We did runs, we lifted weights, we rode lots of, lots of miles on the Peloton bike. <laughs> and this really captures that story and provides a cool age appropriate talking point for the two main concepts of the book, which are movement is medicine and that self-care is not selfish. And when caregivers take the time for themselves for movement or meditation or, you know, whatever it is that we're able to, we're taking care of ourselves so we can take care of you, baby. And it's very exciting to me to be able to kind of create a little bit of a snapshot of, of that moment in time. And it, it was a, an experience that I shared with the Peloton community. I announced my pregnancy on the bike. Um, I brought Athena out for the first time publicly on the bike. And this is kind of, I guess, the next part of that, of that story is now, you know, memorializing it with an illustrated children's book. Well, um, can you talk about like how self-care isn't selfish? Like how, what, what does that mean? I love that. Well, it's, we have this, guilt that is part of the story that when we take time for ourselves, we should be busying ourselves with other things that whether that time, what, you know, I say that we have to tune in. We don't want self-care to become another thing on the to-do list that then creates shame, right? So it's tuning in to say, what do I need to protect my peace? What do I need to elevate my spirit for myself? It is always some form of movement or breath work. Most of the time it's movement, frankly. And I always feel better on the other side. You're never going to regret a workout. And so whatever, however you define self-care, whether that's an eye mask moment, whether it's sprinting with me, you know, through a hit ride, um, I prefer the latter, but the, the meta idea that self-care is not selfish is that when you're taking that time to nourish yourself, to protect your peace, to elevate your spirit, you then have, you have a greater capacity for love. You have a greater capacity for patience. You have a greater capacity for grit. Um, you know, all, you know, the entire spectrum of human emotions can be kind of 
packed into that. But when you have a, a regular self-care practice, it actually makes you a better partner, a better mom, uh, and better at everything else that you do. And when we're feeling edgy and our edges feel a little eroded, the days that you think you don't have the time are the days that you actually need it the most. That's very true. Very true. <laughs> I feel it too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how do you plan on instilling all these values in Athena? I live it, right? So I live it. I talk about it. And I mean, that's the thing with with kids I'm realizing is they are little mirrors, whether you like it or not. So they're going to reflect your values back to you. <laughs> You're right. Um, and she, she'll let me know, you know, what, what she thinks of all of it, you know, one day. But truly... I am very grateful to live a life professionally, which is what I live privately. It's a va- these are values that I share with my husband, that I share with my family. And then, you know, that we're going to model for Athena and then she's going to create her own relationship with these concepts. And, you know, we'll see, we'll see where that takes us, but <laughs> that's the plan. Yeah, th- definitely. Like the kids, they'll, they'll tell you back everything that you're doing. Say even things that you don't even know that you're doing. Like I'm very mindful of looking in the mirror too much these days and she's only four months. So it's, it's a lifelong thing. I have a feeling. I feel like I've been very mindful. Like recently I have a three and a half year old son and I'm so mindful about the things that I say to him. And I'm always like, like, I don't want to say like, oh, like, look at you. You're so skinny. Cause like, he's a little skinny boy, but I don't want to say that to him because it's not a negative thing. It's just like, he's just like this cute little skinny boy. But I realized that even with men, you know, it could turn into something and I don't want that to happen. I want him to feel strong. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very conscious of the things that I'm doing in front of him and saying. Absolutely. All right. So we want to do some quick fire behind the scenes Peloton stuff. You're our first Peloton instructor ever I've ever spoken to. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, they're really stupid questions though. So please, <laughs> please be mindful. Okay. Number one, I'm always wondering, do you do your own glam or is someone doing that for you? <laughs> uh, most cla- most of the time, yes. For oh. really high profile things or for a big photo shoot or something, we'll have a glam, glam, glam team. Um, I mean, my, so I always have a woman named T- Tiffany Garrett do my braids. That's impressive. So shout out to Tiff, but we do not have glam on site. On site. <laughs> we, most of the instructors are doing their own glam. Wow. That is extremely impressive. <laughs> Even for all the themes. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that depends. Like for things like Beyonce, like super high profile stuff. Yeah. We'll have glam. Okay. Um, but usually that's the very, very, very few exceptions. Very, very good, few exceptions. Good to know. All right, Brittany, you want to do the the music? (laughs) Yeah. Do you make your own playlists? Takes hours. For a 30-minute class, it'll take 60 to 90 minutes, maybe even two hours to create a playlist and a class plan. Wow. Every instructor does their own playlist, their own class plans. We produce our own shows. I mean, it's everything you see is really largely it's we have teammates, of course, on the production side, but it's very, very much led and um, done by the instructor. That's incredible. Knowing that is just <laughs> blows my mind. Okay, last one. How do you decide like how to how to program like what workouts you're gonna do? Um, gosh, there's a lot that goes into it. But if it's uh, if for, let's if it's like a music themed class, we usually lead with the music, and then if it's a um like a hit ride or a Tabata class or a climb ride, we're we're leading with the spirit of whatever that class is supposed to be. And it's kind of, um, 
Honestly, I liken it to a conductor and orchestra. Like the the reason why we're good at what we do is because we say, okay, this needs a little bit more of this. This needs a little bit Mm -hmm. more of that. And then every instructor has their own point of view as to what what we define, the kind of our imprint on a class, right? Like you could have 50 plus versions of a pop ride, 50 plus versions of a hit class. And that's, you know, the beauty of the offering. Yeah. Well, you do a great job. (laughs) Thank you. Really great job. Okay. Well, now we're going to move on to our segment, Am I a Monster? So here's how it works. You, the listener, send in a real life scenarios and we rule on whether you're the one who has been wronged here or if you are in fact acting like a monster. So this (laughs) is a listener submitted email. Hi, Eileen, Brittany, and Robin. My second is eight months old. And since the fall, when most of us were fully vaccinated, we have taken a strong stance on not seeing friends or family who are not vaccinated, even outside. What's difficult is this includes my mom and some very close friends. We also only really hang out with anyone outside because our community has sufficient activities to do so. Before hanging with any new moms, I also confirm their vaccine status. Am I being an overprotective monster? Okay, we have to decide. <laughs> I vote no, absolutely not. You, you, you decide your boundaries, what you want to do. Who cares about what everybody else thinks? What do you think, Robin? Totally agree. Totally agree. You know, I, I had a party for Athena and we did, you know, host it part indoors, part outdoors. So folks could feel comfortable, but we did, you know, make clear to our invited guests that it was for vaccinated guests only. And that was for the comfort of the folks, you know, attending. And of course, if somebody has a different opinion on that, then, then I'll see you at, you know, at another time, (laughs) right? Like we're, we're the ones who define. And I think as long as we're being communicative, with our loved ones. Um, yeah, sure. There's going to be differences of opinion, but I, I mean, I think that this is, this is a safety thing. It's a health thing. I a hundred percent agree. I, I have to say, if you have a baby, you need to set guidelines, what you feel is best for them. And if people are going to take offense to that, then they don't really understand, you know, where you're coming from. And it's best that you're not communicating to begin with. So I think that, she was totally right. And she could do this. Not a monster. Not a monster. I, (laughs) I found, I found like having a baby during this time has like throws you into this like overprotective, like new persona that for me, obviously it didn't exist before. I didn't, you know, I was, I could be a little bit more wishy-washy. I feel like Robin, you definitely were not, (laughs) (laughs) but I could, but you know, and in the beginning, like, I'm just like, I don't know what to do. I can't decide. But then now I'm just like, absolutely not. Or absolutely. Yes. Kind of like what you were saying in the beginning about finding that, um, finding those boundaries. And, um, I think COVID has been, or this time has been like almost an acceleration course in that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Cause we're all, we all sort of had children recently. Yeah. Ish. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. All right. Well, that's it for Am I a Momster? Don't forget to DM us your submissions to Betches Moms on Instagram, or you can always email moms at betches.com. We want to hear your scenarios. Okay. Well, our last thing, we're going to close the show with our final segment called No Mom Guilt. 
this is when we share a scenario or a time when we felt kind of guilty. You know, there's there's so much mom guilt out there and we want to talk about it because we we don't want to it's not necessary for us to feel guilty. It's it's that's why it's called no mom guilt. So, Robin, would you like to share yours for this week? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, it often involves my mom, mom guilt arises often when I'm just trying to get out the door. And it was my, my daughter was teething the other day and she was just, Oh, she had like a little bit of a fever. And I could tell she just wanted to like, she just wanted me. And um, there was a moment where I was handing her to our nanny, who is incredible and really like a member of our family. But I had this pang where it was like, how dare you? Like you don't negotiate away anything. Like you handle everything yourself. And like, you're handing your crying daughter over to someone. And I had a moment where I had to check myself because I was leaving actually for a photo shoot for my book. And I thought, you have to reframe this story. Zoom out. She is well taken care of and you're about to go slay something. And that's going to make her proud. And she might not understand it in this moment, but one day she's going to tell the story of her mom putting out a badass book. And that is, I, I often have to zoom out. So that internal conversation was really hard. And I was standing there at the elevator, like the worst. And then I was like, nah, queen, like you're about, you're, you're like bringing home paper and you're creating a legacy for her. So keep it moving. And and I know a lot of folks feel mom guilt before their workouts. The other day I was, um, I literally only had 20 minutes to get my workout in before I had to jump on something else. And it was like, no, no mom guilt. I'm going to go and get my run in because that is what I scheduled to do. And my husband can take her and we're good. Yeah. I think it's so normal. Like we've all kind of been in that situation where we feel like we're prioritizing work over our kids. And it's just like, you feel bad about that. And then, like you said, you have to zoom out and you real and realize you're doing this for your kids. This isn't a selfish act. You're showing them what it's like to be a strong woman who's focusing on her career and doing things for your child. And that's something I think mm-hmm. we all need to remember. I know I feel like mm-hmm. that sometimes. I feel, yeah, all the time. Thank you so much, Robin. This has been amazing. Thank you for your time. Thank you for saying yes to this. Thank you so much. <laughs> Where can people get your book? Yes. Strong Mama is available everywhere books are sold. You can check out my Insta, Robin NYC, and um, I'll have more information there as well as link in bio. Um, I'm so excited to chat with y'all today. I really appreciate the humor and the love that you give to the mom community. (laughs) Thank Thank you so much. And I'm very excited to read your book or read your book to my daughter. And I'm probably going to go take one of your classes tonight. So (laughs) it's going to be great. (laughs) Same. And that is it for this episode of Betcha's Mom's Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow us on Apple. Apple and Spotify. Follow Betcha's mom on Instagram. You can follow me at Aileen and follow Robin at Robin NYC. (laughs) And remember, there are no rules on this podcast. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom, right, Regina? Please stop talking. The Betcha's Moms podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales-Pico. Editing by Stacey Wong. Social media by Brittany Levine. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow us at Betches Moms on Instagram and send us your emails to moms at betches.com.
Betches.